Bionic Warrior Podcast, Episode 9, Making an Impact with Irvin and Eloy Kinton. guys and welcome to episode nine of the Bionic Warrior podcast. I am your host Guru Mike Panna, chief instructor and founder of the Bionic Warrior Martial Arts Academy located right here in the sunny Dallas, Texas area. And in today's episode I'll be interviewing my very good friends Irvin and Eloy Kinton. I've been fortunate to know both Irvin and Eloy uh, for quite some time. I actually met them at the very first Atienza Kali Sama Sama uh, several years ago um, and since then we've become very good friends. My wife and I before we were married we actually got a chance to visit them in Virginia Beach uh, to hang out with them and their family at their school. Um, they're amazing people, uh, definitely the example of what a warrior couple should be. Um, and they got three amazing kids, Gino, Anime, and Giangelo. It's who I really look as examples for my son. Uh, so in today's episode, we'll be talking about family, the martial arts, as well as uh, how to run a family business. What makes these guys unique is that they are running a martial arts school together as a family. And I think there's a lot of great lessons to be gleaned from um, in this particular podcast episode. So sit back, relax, take some notes, and listen to my my buddies Irvin and Eloy Kinton. Um, Irvin and Eloy, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I just want to get started, kind of give the listeners a little bit of background on yourselves, uh, you know, how you got started in the martial arts and how you got to where you are now. Mm, um, okay, we're, the name of our school is Impact Martial Arts Academy, located in uh, Virginia Beach. So if you're in, ever in the area, Hampton Roads area, come down to Virginia Beach. We're located at the um, Windsor Oaks uh, Shopping Center. Uh, we teach the uh, on the adult side. We have Filipino martial arts. Uh, it has our, my own special blend in there, as well as Sayat Kali, with good great influence with Atienza Kali. But um, I'm I'm just a basic learner when it comes to Atienza Kali. Um, we have Muay Thai, and we also have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu mixed in with some Judo and some other grappling arts that I I like to feed in there as well. We have uh, a kids Jiu Jitsu, and we also have what we call our total defense program, where we have uh, two groups of children from ages five to seven, and then the other ages are eight, eight to 12. 12. Yeah. And that's like a nice mix of things, you know, from what an anti-bullying perspective is uh, would, would have in its system. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, really building some great characters for, from these children's point of view. You want to go first? I think you can go first. Uh... Your version is, it's short and sweet. Mine's a little funny, but, um, (laughs) yeah, we're going way back. Um, well, first he, he wanted to keep up his training Mm -hmm. and, um, the way he was doing that is he had a few friends, actually like his cousin and one of his coworkers, they would just train in the garage. And then every once in a while they train at the park, Mm. but over time as, you know, I guess as people were hearing about them training, they were saying, can I come or whatever. And the um, the garage got real small real fast. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of where it started. Um, and then from there, Irvin, Irvin decided, well, um, we'll go ahead and move forward from that and just take a take a chance to see how how it goes. Awesome. awesome. So, like, when you were teaching uh, at the time, were you teaching? What was was there a particular style that you were teaching at the time that garnered so much attention? 
I will. I would let Irvin answer that one because he was the one that was teaching. Yeah, go ahead. That. Oh yeah. Uh, at the time, I was just teaching Filipino martial arts right in the garage. Mm. Um, I was studying for. I was studying all of these other different stuff, but um, when I started to have like my own group, it was Filipino martial arts exclusively. Then. Mm. As as time went on, like my cousin had like this uh, co-worker of his and was telling him, was like, oh, uh, isn't that isn't that Muay Thai? I was like, no, it's Filipino martial arts. I was like, well, I could have sworn that he taught Muay Thai. Hmm. So he brought back, he, got, he went back into the garage and he asked me during the next time that we got together to train. He was like, what's up, cuz? What's up with this Muay Thai stuff? And I'm like, what do you mean Muay Thai? We're doing Filipino martial arts. He's like, yeah, but my, my co-worker was telling me you teach that. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I taught that before. But we're doing FMA right now, and he goes, "Don't hold back. What's up with that? Let me let me learn that too." Mm-hmm. So then we started at, and next thing you know, the the group got a little bit bigger. You know, so now it was a balance between uh, two arts and two different groups. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was together at first. You know, with uh, training both, but then of course everyone has their preferences. It eventually, became their own separate groups, own separate uh, time schedule, and then it grew from there. I mean, like. The more and more people that came over to the house, of course, like the street wouldn't be able to to house everybody. So, a coworker of mine told me, "Hey, you know what? Why don't you um, why don't you get a get a place? It looks like you have to open up a school." Now, I didn't at the time. I didn't have uh, any interest in opening up a school. So, jokingly, I told I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll open a school, but only if you pay for it." So, I was like, "Okay, bet. Let's uh, let me turn around." He started talking to everybody. And next thing you know, everyone got together and said, yeah, we'll do it. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> okay. So I guess I, I got to put my money where my mouth is, right? So I went out, looked for a place for us to train in, found us a place in like some industrial park area where yep. it was super hard to find. Ninja cave. <laughs> we called it the ninja cave. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it basically started, uh, uh, you know, really developing and growing from there. We had all those different arts, all those different kinds of people looking to, you know, get that type of training. And, um, yeah, that was, that's how the school was born, really. Oh, excellent. So, um, and I, I know we've spoken about this, um, about your history with the school opening and stuff. So when you came to your first school, let's talk about that. So how uh, big was the quote-unquote Ninja Cave? Um, and, you know, what was the vibe like? What was the culture like? And how did it seem to progress? Because I saw you guys when you had your first school, then I visited you at your second school, and now you got a, th- a new location, uh, which is uh, relatively recent, I think maybe three or four years ago, perhaps. Uh, how, what was the evolution like starting at that smaller location and then evolving it to where you are now? Mm. Well, uh, the small location, our first place was about like 700 square feet, mm-hmm. uh, not very much space. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but mm-hmm. when you take into the factor of like, let's say, a hallway, a lobby room, uh, a couple of bathrooms, then you're you're basically half uh, half of the space already. So 350 square feet of actual activity space. Mm. So I think we got like maybe at maximum 20 people on the mat, and that was like super super crowded. Yeah. And we had this roof that didn't that had like two different levels. We had like <laughs> one that was barely six foot above six foot, so I could. I had like two inch clearance above my head on this one part of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of the ceiling was like nine foot. Um, I don't even know why the, the ceiling was built that way, but it had like this weird decline to it. 
So, like, the vibe there, it basically, it was just more like training. I just wanted to do tra- the training piece mm-hmm. uh, as far as, like, being in school. Never really paid that no, uh, any mind because, like, all we wanted to do is do the training part. Right? The teaching aspect of it all didn't really take take hold. I mean, I could teach, but, like, teach and share and train and, like, the, the, the whole business part of it wasn't really prevalent until we reached the end of our uh, that year lease, yeah, like I turned to my wife. I was like, Aloy, what do you want to do? We're at the end of the lease. You know, the, the, are we going to say that we, we gave it a good shot and go back to work? Uh, what do you feel? And then she's like, uh, what about all those people? Like, okay, if we're going to do this thing, I mean, you know me, I, I'll go in all the way. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, let's do it. So, okay, here we go. Boom. Started studying, started talking to a different mentors, asking a whole bunch of questions, making a ton of mistakes. You know, everything that any business owner should be doing. And then next, you know, we, uh, uh, I don't know, I met, I met some people who really pointed me in the right direction, you know, um, really put some things into perspective. That's where I got a chance to speak to a lot of the um, people who train in Kali. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they hear these, these different things that really create a better foundation to how I operate. And uh, I would say that's the strongest pillars to how I run my business now these days. We have now, tri- we you know, family was one thing, but like to actually have a someone explain in you know the way that con- that I connect to, I was like, no, that's it. That's that's actual family. We get into a tribe atmosphere. So like the more that we go into the development of the school, uh, and you know, like in the beginning, everybody wants a really good clean mission and not let a business part corrupt the vision and you know the direction you want to go in mm-hmm. and so eventually i was like okay you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna hold this as as close to my heart as possible because it really means something to me mm-hmm. and uh i would say that that's that has been growing ever since you know building it the way that it should be built from the very beginning helps you know avoid um heavy business commercialism if that makes any sense yeah so okay. now today make our moves and we have that tribe atmosphere that's just basically uh uh feeding on itself if that makes any sense it's more like, organic it's organic yes yeah. so that'll be better better to say right and you know one of my this actually leads me to my next question which is really convenient um you know having known you guys for the last several years you know meeting you at the sakasama samas and being able to visit you several it's been like five years since i've been to virginia beach i think was it five six years it's been a while it's been too long uh, yes. since i've since i've last been there uh, but what really struck me about your school and what I fe- and even about your family dynamic as you, you with you and your kids, um, there definitely is this sense of home um, and there's a sense of tribe and family. So um, you are very unique in the sense that, you know, your husband and wife, both training, both teaching, both running a school. But in addition to that, your three kids are also training and helping you run the school. So how does that factor? How are you able to integrate your family life into your martial arts life as well as your business life? Oh yeah, that's that's a really good question. <laughs> that's a really good question. I mean, because like uh, any any type of business owner out there can feel when you start having familiar people. You know, when you bring friends in, there's always these problems that that take place and uh, relationship issues uh, start to arise, and then you have to come to some good collaboration. Uh, but with uh, you know, like you said, having a wife and three kids to do that, how do you how do you balance the whole thing? Hmm. So my, my basic approach really was like, okay, uh, this is really about my family from the very beginning because, you know, Filipino martial arts is, uh, you know, our culture, our heritage, and I really wanted to 
pass that on uh, to my children so that way they have their identity and know what their roots are. Mm-hmm. So as they were coming in, and Gino was um, 10, 10 at the time, uh, 10, no, uh, 11. Yeah, he was, he was 11. 11. And I was like, okay, so he's going to be on the floor, and our our training had a mix of adults and children at the same time. So in the back of my head, the operating part was, okay, adults, you know, my kids are on the floor. Don't be stupid and hurt them because I will get you. <laughs> right? like, that's the thing that's in the back of my head. Mine too. But of course, you don't, you don't talk like that. Uh, so as as it go, continued to go on, it has that that family protocol always injected to for the school place to have that, that environment. Now, what about the kids? You know, how are they uh, acclimating to the change of scenery? I mean, really? As long as I, I stayed, you know, dad and be their father the whole time and never really changed uh, my personality, that really helped with how they saw things. They don't, I mean, I, I think if you would ask them, they wouldn't see me as a businessman. They'd always, I'm always, you know, their father. Mm-hmm. So, oh, are they a father in the, in the house? Am I a father at the school? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same person every time. And that's, that's really what the balance is, like trying not to wear so many hats. It's easiest just to wear the one. I'm I'm just Irvin, plain and simple, no matter where I go. If I do business, it just happens to be a business thing, but I'm still me. If I'm at the house, I basically speak the same, you know, like addressing each issue as, you know, um, with the attention that it deserves rather than trying to, you know, mix in too many things. Right. With the lessons that martial arts brings, it, it makes it even easier to kind of say, okay, remember what I'm talking about here in the arts? And it creates a special vocabulary. So um, from their school to home life to the school life, you know, it's all basically integrated, uh, you know, piece by piece, uh, slowly over time. And then the expectation starts to rise up as far as like leadership. But I mean, even still, it's like, are they leading the school? Oh, they're leading it in their own way. I mean, uh, my youngest, he's 17, and you know, growing up to, growing up at all these different locations from school, home, and this, um, and uh, high school, like oh, he's basically the same person. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's great to see that being involved with their growth and progress the whole time, and then they get the practice immediately when they go to, they do the training, and then they, you know, they go back to uh, high school and say, okay. I see what the teacher's doing. I see what these other students are doing. I've seen this before, so it actually makes it a lot easier. Mm. So, like, all that integrated, a good matrix of how each thing goes together, and as they mature, then, you know, the adulthood part, they get to practice while in the safety of their own home. Mm. So, like, if that makes any sense as far as, like, the culture of the school and how it balances for business... And how I would say that our students would feel it as they walk in and out of their, our place. I mean, you can really say it's a family-run business. Well, absolutely, and I, you know, I, I noticed that from the get-go. Of course, when I first met you guys, are working with you guys, and um, in addition to that, you know, my next question again, this feeds into my next question. Um, have has have you as parents, have both of you as parents, um, and as a family, even all, all five of you, um, do you feel that you've taken lessons away from running the school together? Has it strengthened your relationship as a family? Has it uh, formed a closer bond? Oh yeah, for sure. That that bond is super super strong. Um, and uh, let me see if I could uh, describe what that actually is as far as like business life and home life. Um, 
And it, it was a question that I posed to to kids because there are there are related stresses no matter what you do in life. Like if you want to go join the military, if you want to go into medical field, be an architect, an engineer, lawyer, doctor, whatever it is. Even an artist. Yeah. yeah um, there's going to be associated stresses with all of them. So as far as like a business is concerned, it's like, well, which stress would you like to have? The Would you substitute this stress for the other one? Uh, would you like to experience the, the opposite uh, or a totally different stress? And in the end, the, the, if you quantify the whole thing, it's basically the same. Um, I mean, does, does that make it, is, am I touching your question? No, absolutely. No, because I, I think it's interesting because, you know, a lot of, I've met a lot of martial arts instructors who some of them, you know, they, they keep their family away from what they're doing because they want to leave, you know, families, family and businesses, business. And there's other families I noticed like yourself who are totally putting them together. And you guys are doing it from what I observe, are, you're doing it very well. Um, what are the boundaries that you guys have set up any boundaries uh, for, you know, home? Do you leave the school at the school or you know how do you make draw those lines between being uh you know a business and being a family mm. uh well if i would put the hard line in between it would be on the financial part mm. right like uh which also is it can be great depending on how you look at it you know we have to teach our children financial management altogether so how do you do that like let's say if i wasn't a business owner at all how do i do that how do i teach my kids um, about financial management, if I worked uh, a regular, you know, nine to five job, do I open up my bank account and let them see the numbers? I mean, like that's that's awkward, right? Mm. But that, could I do that with an actual school in play, a business where th that same example is used in high school? It's like, oh, let's say you had a business, and you know, they they draw out the scenario. So that's the hard line when it comes to financial management, where business is business and then home life is home life. Um, another hard line is every Sunday for us is uh, sacred. We'll always have to have one day where we're not allowed to talk about it at all, no matter mm -hmm. where we are. Even let's say on Sunday we have to go to, the, to our place and we're standing inside of the building. We're not allowed to talk about work. Work. Because yeah. it's a Sunday. We just happen to be there on a Sunday. Um, let's see. I, I forgot what my next point was. <laughs> oh, for um, creating the boundaries. Oh, on... creating the boundaries. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, um, so my kids have their own dreams, right? Like uh, my youngest right now, he, he aspires to get into the military and uh, to be an officer. And I know what it's what that involves. You have to go to school. You have to graduate from college, get a, you know, get a degree, and mm -hmm. then you can join the military. Now, I protect that dream for him. Mm. Um, he can practice certain things when he's at the school, and then we can uh, kind of talk about it when he gets home. But when it comes to, let's say, the school needs help, and he offers the help, I always caveat it with, like, you can help, but I'm just letting you know that we have staff there, and right. if you really want to get involved, you know, just let me know. But I really uh, – let me remind you of the things that you want to do. I want to protect your dreams as well. I know you want to help in the time being, but I want you to know that your dream is important to me. And it's like a constant. I have to say that over and over and over again because I'm not going to turn my dream into their dream mm. or force my dream onto them. Right. So it's, it's again, it's that fine balance. You know, it's uh, the martial arts lessons. I give that to them. But uh, it's more that time 
uh, eyedroppers of time that says, here you go. Remember what you said you wanted right. to do. I'm, I'm supporting you. A constant, steady support rather than spiking support. That's awesome. And so this actually – this is great because you're like – segueing right into all my questions perfectly it's going really well this is awesome um uh, so actually my next question is actually for eloy uh because it seems that you know irvin he was the one teaching in the garage in the beginning you know he was the primary teacher in the beginning and you know you guys went into business together um you know what was that transition like for you because i know there's a lot of you know females that you know they made like they may have married a martial arts instructor and then they're slowly transitioning into that um you know co-worker type role they're husband how is this um what were the lessons you've taken of being a wife and now being a the co-owner of the school as well as um assisting with teaching okay oh wow well um a lot of friends that i had met over the years that you know like married couples um i found out that a lot of them got together after the school was already born and they had been working together. Mm -hmm. And I guess, uh, with me and Irvin, it's, there's not a huge percentage where the school was born while the couple was already together. Does that make sense? Um, so when he started up the group, I was already exposed to what they were doing. And, um, you know, I started to slowly get interested in it. I wasn't doing it with them in the beginning, but I could see how, you know, it was a, a positive uh, energy that was entering our home. However, our home wasn't big enough to hold everyone. So when he wanted to expand on that, you know, I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. I'm with you. And um, with each new evolution, it just, you know, it got bigger, got bigger. And then there was a point where we we're like, oh, let's downsize a little bit. And, um, you know, like this, this bowl is too hot. That bowl is too cold. You don't know unless you actually try. So with that piece, there were a lot of elements where I found, I found it to be something that I liked. And then there were some that I didn't. And I noticed that if I were a little more vocal about it, he would adjust it so that it would fit for me. Um, and then if, if I didn't say anything, I'd notice I'd be struggling a lot more. One of the biggest examples was when he br- started to bring jujitsu into the school. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it because I had a, a negative experience the first time I tried it somewhere else. Hmm. And then he reminded me that it was our school. We could run it our way. And um, in the beginning, I didn't, take to it too well because I was still, uh, I guess nervous about how it would turn out, but then I could see how him taking charge of it and him always paying attention to how it made me feel and how it made me grow. He adjusted it in such a way where it challenged me, but it also made me feel safe. So him doing that in the jujitsu program, um, and then applying that to how he had been approaching everything in the business, you know, financial, uh, teaching me how to teach, um, being my teacher, being, you know, father to my children, he's been, uh, consistent in that realm. He never lets up on challenging us, but he also wants to make sure not to break us. 
Right. Well, That's great. And uh, so now talking about parenthood, I just became a dad, um, and I know that you guys, you guys got three kids. Um, you know, I'm interested in how the training has, you know, impacted them. I see that they're very involved in the school. Um, what have you noticed, both as parents and martial arts instructors, the benefits as well as some of the challenges uh, that your kids have gone through in terms of, you know, living this martial arts life? Mm. That's a good question. Well, benefits, that's the – let me let me do the easy one first. <laughs> <laughs> benefits, uh, they're strong, they're capable, they have leadership. I mean, you know, at – at uh so gino he's 20 years old now and he's he started teaching when he was 19 so it's it's nice benefit to know that there's this 19 year old that has the confidence has the know-how has the speaking ability to run a class with people who might be three times his age and and to say it in such a way where it's like no he's believable he has experience now how does a 19 year old have all that kind of experience to affect somebody twice or three times their age and then that's where the challenges come in, right? What are the challenges for them? Well, the first part, I would say the challenge is actually getting them to like it when in the beginning maybe they were kind of, oh, I'm just a dabbler, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching somebody uh, within, let's say, a five-year period, there is a, a formula for that in a group setting. And then teaching somebody in a five-year period in a private setting is completely different. It's not the same teaching style. It's a totally different formula, even though the formula may um, may uh, resemble the other one. It's still different. Now, what, what do you how do you teach somebody for the rest of their life, starting at a young age, you know, and they're going to do it forever? There's a there's a t- totally different formula for that. You can't teach them the same way. Uh, I can't teach a five year old who is my son the same way as a five-year-old that's in my class. Yeah. The the level of familiarity starts to kick in. You know, this kid who doesn't know me will listen to me in a particular way, but this kid who knows me will listen to me in a particular Mm -hmm. way. So understanding that dynamic of how that goes, it's the one-size-fits-all doesn't work yeah that doesn't work so what ends up happening is the challenge is remembering is like no that's my son he learns differently from everyone and he is going to be i I believe he's going to be interested in this for the rest of his life so how do i implement that that formula for for the kids um for the longevity you know for the long term so it's like all right it's not a big fire hose worth of information maybe technical training or the philosophy or stuff like that making it in with being their dad or you know my son being uh, an employee of mine like it's it's small things small things until it's it's accumulated so much where it's normal like you know um I like using the term eyedropper right and you're in my son's mind is is the container and I don't want to fill it up too quickly because it's too much Right? So I put one little eyedrop in there. And through time, that one eyedrop fills the container up as much as possible. And next thing you know, he has a lot. You know, he has a lot of knowledge that's already working. You know, a good analogy would be like, how do you teach, how do you teach a, a child to love baseball? Well, of course, you don't hold the baseball in your hand and say, okay, son. This is how they do in the big leagues, and you throw an overhand 100-mile-an-hour fastball by, whizzing by their, their face. And then he's like, okay, 
if that happened, he'd be super scared, terrified of the whole thing. He's like, oh, I don't like baseball. It's, it's scary. <laughs> but, how, but that's not how you do that, right? You have to do the underhand. And then underhand nice and easy. Eventually, it gets faster, a faster underhand. And next thing you know, you change it slightly to resemble an overhand and then a harder overhand. But by that time, you get to the 100-mile-an-hour overhand, if you've been working with him since five, the overhand starts taking place around maybe 15. You know, it took 10 years to get there, but that was the challenge of mine when he started, you know, to get him going. Next thing you know, he's, like I said, he's teaching, he's got, he's got MMA fights uh, under his belt. Yeah, um, it's you unreal. Know, it's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. And I'm looking at him and he's like, he's totally surpassed where I was at his age. And that's like a father's dream come true. Yeah, and they're all like different personalities too. Like they're completely different. So our parenting, it's not a one size fits all for our family. We had to adjust it accordingly for each one, each mm-hmm. one of our kids. Yeah, we have a we have a daughter. Yeah, and we have another son, but he's like, he's not the same as you know, the other one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. each personality type has its own special attention that it deserves. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's really key. I like the eyedropper concept and how you're really just giving them that slow progress and not pushing them too hard, which I think is very, honestly, what you guys are doing is very rare in the martial arts world. I know a lot of martial arts instructors who just push their kids into it and the kids end up falling out of it or it causes friction. So I'm really glad you guys are saying all this. And so for my last question, I asked this to all of my interviewees. Um, In your opinion, both for both of you, uh, what does it mean to be a hero? Ooh. What does it mean to be a hero? You want me? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, one, I don't know if That's this a is a hero question. thing, but um, I, I'm thinking about my kids' class yesterday because I, I did have a talk with them um, like during their testing. And I said, do you know what it takes to become a black belt? Because they all look at me like I'm their hero. Um, a lot of them have been coming to me with like stories about going through incidents where they've been bullied by somebody who's picking on them or they were in a fight because they were trying to protect somebody who was getting bullied and having issues at home. So like a lot of them do look up to me and um, some of them are a little, uh, what's the word, like have glitter in their eyes about the black belt. Mm. And I asked them, how do you get a black belt? Does anybody know how to get a black belt? And um, some of them were looking confused. And I said, do you think it's hard or is it easy? And some of them were saying, like, it's hard. And I go, no, no, it's real easy. It's real easy. You can go to this place called eBay and order one. (laughs) But what would that black belt do for you? And they were like, oh, nothing. And I go, well, how would you want this black belt? Do you want to pay for it with money or do you want to pay for it with deeds? And... um, you know, just opening their eyes to seeing that payment doesn't always come in the form of cash, but it comes in the form of what you do. And I think that opens their eyes to seeing the value and what people do for them every day. So when I when I ask them, are you willing to pay for a black belt like mine with pain, with sweat, with, you know, confusion, with struggle, knowing that you're going to be that strong person you wanted to be at the end of your black belt? And these are five-year-olds, by the way. And they're like, yes, ma'am. Like, instant. They want to do it. So as far as being a hero, bringing light to letting people know what to expect exactly 
and to let them know that you're there to support them every step of the way is something that'll help pull them out of whatever rut they're in so that they can continue on. Um, but I mean, for me, that's my definition of heroes. The hero won't hold back from telling you what you have to do. You know, they won't lie to your face and, you know, trick you into thinking that you have to do less to gain more. Right. Absolutely. How about you, Irvin? Hmm. Hard to beat that. I'll just, I'll just uh, attach myself to her, her thing. I mean, it's, that's perfect already. Uh, just to use different vocabulary, perhaps. Mm. Um, I mean, to be a hero, I suppose, is having gone through, accepted, persevered through adversity. Mm. I mean, adver- without adversity, you can't reach that status. Yeah, that was but, so much more simpler than what I said, but yes, yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> there, the different phases of adversity, You'd ha- you have to know, understand, and still belong to frustration. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to actually deal with that. I mean... Yeah, we can look up to whoever the hero is, and then we think they're untouchable. But in reality, there, there is still a part that makes them great. And the only reason why they're great because they're still doing it. Right. I had once, uh, I had an instructor tell me once, it's best to follow a mentor that has a mentor, mm. because they're still doing it. Right. I mean, if you hit a, me- if you reach a mentor that's not, that's not doing it anymore, it's old knowledge and stale, and it doesn't move. And then how great will that knowledge be when you're trying to move it? Right. So like to be a hero is it's still just remembering that we're all, um, you know, I'm a learner and that person's a learner and all they're doing is going to the senior most student. And in this case, in my school, um, I'd be the senior most student. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, sure. I may be at the top of where I'm at, but I'm still a beginner in many different areas. And to remember what that is, and you can connect to the people who learn uh, from you. And it's so much better. It's like, okay, then how do I learn? It's like, this is how I learn. I'll show it to you. And, I mean, it's like, it's demonstrated right there every day. So, yeah, for sure. I think being a hero at that status, it almost dissolves it. You know, we're all the same people. We have our own battles. And we're just trying to get tips from each other. How would you do that? Well, I did this. <laughs> right. Guys, thank you so much. That's awesome. And uh, do you guys have any information for the audience as how to reach you best? Oh, um, you can hit us hit us up at uh, www.impact-athletes.com. Um, our email address is on there as well on a on a link. Uh, that would be info at impact-athletes.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much. It was great catching up with y'all. Have a great day, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. You too. Thanks Anytime. for having us. All right, guys, so there you have it, my interview with Irvin and Eloy Kinton. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Binary Warrior podcast today. I look forward to seeing you guys in episode 10. Take care, God bless, and be the hero in your life.